different gravy not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast I'm one of the hosts Richard Miller and my co-host is still wondering why he didn't get the nod for the subs bench today Dr Luke Gledall how are you doing today Luke I'm good um though I did actually travel down to Exeter and then I got to the hotel Uh, and had to turn back again so I'm a little bit disappointed was it because uh, you forgot your shinnies it was um i'm really hoping as well that i'm gonna i think i've still got the receipt for the boots as well so i'm gonna take those back <laughs> you pushed the boat out didn't you, you went for some mondials so you were um you were going for it i really was i really was you have a style debut. style and... over substance <laughs> uh how, how are, you, are you well other than your um your obvious disappointment at uh being so near but so far to the uh, the, the first first team football at Sheffield Wednesday. I'm pretty good. I've got over the jet lag from flying back, obviously, to uh, the sunny beaches of Calgary. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You know, it's um, it's cold. It's uh, it's a bit miserable. It's winter in in the UK, but um, you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> I think let's let's you know. Put, Pull the nose up and get out of this uh, this immediate tailspin with a bit of breaking hoo hoos. The first bit of breaking hoo hoos. Everybody has COVID. Every single yeah. Time. I wondered when this was going to happen because it kind of seems like a law of averages. Um, yes. It seems like something that would definitely happen to Sheffield Wednesday. On top of it happening to. Let's kind of look over the list. Man City, Aston Villa, Middlesbrough, Derby, Rotherham. Mm. It's happened to a lot of football teams. Um, Fulham? Were Fulham also affected as well? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's probably within a pandemic something that you think could happen. And then you'd probably think in having a workplace where people still can't you know, I mean, Bannon can't be pinging balls over over Zoom, unfortunately. No. Um, <laughs> they cannot work remotely, so it kind of seems like something that would happen. And then you're playing in a team sport, and those environments are very kind of close together for the nature of practicing and working as a team. Um, it kind of feels a bit like a ground for something like this to really spread quickly if it got into one of those situations. And I think also like some of the some of the things that were supposed to happen early in the pandemic, like when we had the project restart, there was a lot of talk of we're not gonna have like big celebrations and it's gonna be fist bumps, not hugs and kisses and all that sort mm. of stuff. And that has not been the case. I think increasingly it just yeah. looks well, a lot like normal. Don't you find um, it funny for the fact that early pandemic, obviously less cases, everyone's being very stringent, very on the ball. This is something very new. People are willing to go ahead with restrictions and new um, new mentalities. I mean, I don't know about you, Rich. Remember those heady times where we, we were encouraged to wash our hands for 20 seconds? You, you refuse to wash your hands at all now. Is that the case? Yeah, I'm just uh, scratching my balls all the time, basically. <laughs> No, um, but I'm basically just kind of saying it's interesting that you have greater restrictions from the beginning. Those things kind of get relaxed to the point and then people get complacent. So I'm not sure. And then that kind of accelerates over, you know, this virus being the we've never really seen a full winter with the coronavirus. 
No. You know, it's pretty much coming to the Western lexicon at the beginning of spring. So winters are purportedly a time <clears throat> for greater spread of viruses because people spend a lot of time indoors with other people with mm. poor ventilation. So and it's too cold to wash your hands. Yeah, that's a good excuse. Sometimes oh, you have to wee on wee on your hands for warmth to keep the chill off. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like we can't wash our hands because they're in fingerless gloves that were heating around a brazier. Um, yeah, a trash can fire out in the a trash can uh, fire. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> we all live like cartoon hobos in the in, crumbling in the economies of. Uh, pandemic economy well the thing is as well in the uk we are um we're now seeing the wonderful effects of um announcing that everyone can go hog wild for five days at christmas then uh, two or three days before christmas going oh what i said about christmas by the way guys don't listen to me i'm mad i'm drunk half the time uh what i really meant was uh just three three households uh, for one day, I didn't mean go mad and have like five households of a week, um, you know, bring all the livestock indoors. I didn't mean that. I was kidding you on. Uh, totes, totes, japes from uh, old Bojo. Um, but, we, you know, we are now starting to see the bite of a Christmas period where some people will have gone along with the 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 the, the, the tight, the loosened, tightened, loosened rules uh which still <laughs> opened things up for 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 another burst of uh, a fresh burst of, of of pandemic um goodness uh but also some folks will just have gone well i'm not changing my plans now so they will have done the the tight the loose and tightened rules mm-hmm. um and uh and i think as well footballers that may be particularly susceptible in some ways because a particular you know like People who are kept are spending time away from their families, um, maybe alone at Christmas, maybe is more likely to happen with a a foreign national who's um, you know not got the links, not got the ties within the country that that somebody who's who's a, a native born sort of Brit would have. So mm-hmm. you're maybe more likely to go to someone else's place or have a a bigger Christmas with a group of people who are in the same position as you. I think that's one of the things that's happened in sort of Manchester and London, we've seen several players getting sort of slapped on the wrist for hosting get-togethers and things. But Right. And you uh, also, there's also a a new probably breed of kind of subset of people within this, which essentially are footballers are young people by and large. (laughs) And the people who may not kind of have that mentality, you've also probably within that situation, if you're a professional footballer, you could well be a character of someone who maybe doesn't really hear the words no when people say no to you very often. Yes, yes. So there's a lot of things you can kind of, a lot of variables you can sprinkle onto this uh, shit salad that we've got. (laughs) And a hell of a lot of free time for players. Yeah. By and large, their day is done by lunchtime. So a lot more time for your mind to kind of spiral out of control and, um, you know, make... Make it maybe even healthy to try and spend some time with other people, uh, but I, yeah. So I think I think it's so. There's a, there's the kind of societal. We've got this new strain which seems to be even better at spreading, um, like like um, like a new brand of margarine. It's even better at spreading, and 
you you then got the Christmas fun times, and then the the, the sort of the the odd existence of a footballer. All of those things combine to make a situation where. Yeah, we're go- we're seeing several pockets, and we're probably going to continue to see several pockets of um, mm. players out, coaches out, um, and in particular for Wednesday, we've ended up with pretty much it seems like the whole kind of front bench management team uh, have, mm. have caught the virus and and had to go uh, take themselves away from the the rest of the the team. We've closed the training ground. Uh, we haven't been told about players. We haven't been told about other members of staff. Mm. Uh, it was interesting looking at the team for the, the FA Cup tie. There were certain players missing, and we don't know whether that was a choice, whether that was a COVID thing. We did only name four subs, so you can. the presumption is that this is what we had today, available and COVID-free. Uh, so that means on top of the coaching staff that we know about, there's also Tom Lee's. Um, maybe Kieran Westwood, but maybe that's an injury thing. Maybe Che Dunkley, but maybe that's an injury. Maybe Liam Palmer, um, Elias Kachunga. Uh, I'm sure there's others. That I'm, I'm, uh, we know that Windass is injured, uh, but mm. uh, Izzy Brown is another uh, one in that that sort of list. So we don't know, it, um, and it could easily be the fact that you know maybe it's the masseuse at the club or the person that does scans on muscles, or you know it could be anybody that because is the kind of patient sure. zero in that scenario. Sure, especially or, after we've spent all this time and effort to just completely shit all over the lifestyles of many a Sheffield Wednesday player. Basically. <laughs> and... We basically called them an entitled bunch of sosos. Young playboys. When they should get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) But it could, you know, they could be several independent cases that just happened to have clustered together. It could be one Mm. person didn't know they had it and and maybe didn't have symptoms. And lo and behold, they kind of affected lots of people. You know, we just don't know what the situation is. But the... The attempts to close that down have resulted in this odd situation where we go into a match without, well, the manager who's already a caretaker is out, his assistant, um, the assistant to that person, uh, and and I think maybe another member of the, the sort of frontline coaching team all out. Um, and essentially, we've got kind of the schoolboy team uh, being managed by the tea lady. Mm. Uh, so fun sort of situation to be in but i think before we're sort of touching on the the cup tie but i think before that we've got something else to sink our teeth into news wise and that's a bit of good old hearty speculation about who the next manager might be Uh, (laughs) exactly what the first of many disappointments of the tony pulis reign was that we weren't we were robbed of the opportunity uh by one of our classic Sheffield Wednesday late night announcements. We didn't get the chance to spitball aimlessly about a group of foreign men that we know nothing about. And uh, we are going to grab that with both hands and by its own clackers. So we, I mean, you could say gusto, you could say gusto, but then people will probably hear what little pithy remarks I have to say. And the tone of my voice and the general appetite of a man who's done a podcast for about 18 months on a very underwhelming um, English football team. Well, speaking of underwhelming and English, wait till you see this list of managers. <laughs> ah! <laughs> there we go. 
So just as a, a kind of a bit of uh, housekeeping before this, we so Rich and I are going through currently as it stands and as it is published. Um, you know, they they might have to uh, free up some pixels and delete some photos to reorder this, as per what Superhand says in uh, Peep Show to uh, to Jez when he tries to get his name on that football football video. If you remember. Um, so as published. As it speaks, this is uh, 8.30 p.m. GMT, Saturday, <laughs> the 9th of January. Just a real timestamp when we're doing this. Yeah. Um, the com, And That's... we are going to start talking from Eddie Howe. And just to, just to kind of mention, we are really, we're really uh, taking the cream off the top of 33 to 1, aren't we, Rich? <laughs> because basically, as we found <laughs> going into this, pretty much anybody you know is 33 to 1 for the next Sheffield Wednesday position. Yeah. Your postman, your lover, yes. your yeah. grandma, all yeah. are 33 to 1. They are up there. They are, um, they're in the running, like so, so many. Um, but we, yeah, so we're, we, we're drawing a line at the, the first manager to come under 33 to 1 odds on any of the sites that they list. Uh, and that gives us Mr. Eddie Howe. Just uh, for me, I, I is Eddie Howe is someone that I wouldn't, I would not mind at all being our manager. I just don't feel it's in any way likely. Mm. Sure, I mean and, this is like, I mean also I've, I've mentioned anyone you know is thirty-three to one. So mm. um, just to just to kind of bring, as Rich said, eight 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 Sport have Eddie Howe as twenty to one. Yes. Um, Paddy Power went with 40 to 1 and 33 to 1 at Bet Victor, as we've mentioned. But I mean, it could also be someone fictional. Yes. Um, Ted Lasso could be on here. Mike, well, some of the people. Is it Mike don't Royal? Is it, who's, the, who's Mike Bassett? Is that his name? Mike the, Bassett, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a fictional character. <laughs> it could be well, the long, I, it could be the long, uh, rest in peace, departed MF Doom, um, Daniel yeah. DeMille. The enigmatic rapper who wears a mask, we could bring him back from the dead and he could manage Wednesday, perhaps. <laughs> All in the views and eyes of the English bookmakers. <laughs> but to, to go back on topic, Eddie Howe, yeah, I don't think he's someone I would like him. Sure. Yeah. But, there we go. You know, this is a bit of a kind of drunken conversation between Rich and I and be like, Alison Bree's interested in having sex with either of us. Yeah, sure. It's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? No, no. Um, we, we, some of these names we are we are not going to give. Uh, you, you know, some of them are going to be given pretty short shrift, I would imagine. Uh, but the next one up is someone that was really quite strongly rumoured last time round, uh, and did he almost made uh, Big Tone seem like a nice option over because you know by his own. Um, uselessness but uh philly phil neville phil of neville. england england ladies lionesses fame uh someone that i would absolutely not like to see at, at managing sheffield wednesday football club <laughs> no and again he's, he's there purely for the basis of his name isn't he really because i mean if you had someone with the same credentials you're not going to see hope davis you know on the on the no. list of Manage wednesday no um so there's some there are some weird names in here so the the, the next one up is uh carlos calvajal the the old flame this, other people might have different opinions on this i would welcome carlos back i don't know what he'd do with this team uh 
I'd be intrigued to see, but I th- it feels very unlikely when he's at a team that is attaining kind of uh, European competition level football. I think Sheffield Wednesday becomes a pretty massive step down for him in that position. Mm. Would you Would you have Carlos back, Luke? I I um, I don't know. He's not going to do say... the things that hurt you again. He's promised. I don't know which way, what way there is for him to come back, you know, and then addition to the fact that he's doing very well for himself. Yeah. You know, on a, on a better, bigger stage, I would say. Yeah. It's purely it's because not... purely for the lack of imagination of saying he was Wednesday manager before. Of course. Uh, Sol Campbell. We've talked yeah, about that's, Sol uh, previously. We have his, um, <laughs> his agent's doing some good work, isn't he? <laughs> He's had uh, a number of short, unsuccessful periods at a number of clubs. I mean, if we wanted to try the Gary Monk experience again, we could we could maybe do that with Sol Campbell. A slightly slightly different take on the same Gary Monk model. Uh, next up is Ryan Lowe, and I know this is someone that you you've got a little twinkle in your eye for uh, for Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's aging well. He's grown into his features. <laughs> How much what of this is it you like an, about Ryan Lowe? The what does I like about Ryan Lowe? Um, I, it's a classic. Who doesn't like that classic hallmark of ex-Wednesday player who's doing well as a lower league manager, you know, who is linked with a club? Who who doesn't love that romantic comedy story? Watching on and saying, we can really derail that promising career of yours, young man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> sort of depressingly quite far out in the running again he seemed to be somebody i would say the beginning of this list is is people that felt like they were maybe quite in the running before uh tony Poulis got the job and they're getting that, mentioned again because they were in yeah. that conversation but it, it doesn't feel like they're particularly close this time around no that really takes the shine off their second bite of the cherry doesn't it really yeah yeah um Next up is Darren Moore. Is that purely because he's a local manager? Oh, presumably, I mean, it wouldn't be the f- again wouldn't be the first time we've kind of he's um, cocked a snook at one of the local teams and uh, and you know pinched their dinner. <laughs> exactly, and <laughs> um, I think Do- uh, Doncaster Rovers are doing they're doing okay in League One, aren't they? They're doing yeah, they're doing fine. But I mean, he's not setting the world alight, so I do find it a strange. I don't know. I, I can see the working for the mentality for these people because, it, unfortunately, it's these connections in the market where people really don't have much of a clue. That seems. To, I would say that would be the um, the sort of marked theme of this. Really, is that uh, <laughs> nobody really knows, and may, you know, anybody is potentially worth a mention because if you don't know, then you, you don't know what you don't know. I think there's more odds of Ted Lasso. <laughs> to paraphrase Rumsfeld, um, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Next up is Mark Hughes, who is, I- I'm sure, a perennial. He is on every potential next manager list for every team um, in in probably the top five leagues in Europe and mm-hmm. probably the top three leagues in the, in, in in England. Um, but he hasn't managed a team since 2018, and. I don't feel like wow. we're the project that would, uh, you know, rouse the dragon, as it were. Um, yeah, his stock is still probably a bit too high for what, and I don't think it's someone I'd 
really wants. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 a perennial uh, premiership uh, struggling manager, isn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, his best time really was he sort of brought Man City to the cusp of the current era, didn't he? He didn't quite. He was sort of Moses, you know. He led them to the edge of the promised land, but he was not allowed to come in himself. Um, he was <laughs> he sent back to the desert by God. <laughs> Um, and in this case, that is the you know the um, the money men, the oil money behind Manchester City Football Club. And um, so we're now in a run of managers that I won't pretend to know anything about. Uh, so <laughs> we've got Bruno Lage or Liege, who was previously at Benfica, but was is also he, an assistant. Carlos is number two. Is that right? He was. Yeah. So it's. I think Carlos has seen a couple of his backroom staff kind of serve his time as assistant manager or within that backroom staff and then, you know, make the leap out of the nest to go to go do a managerial career on their own. The Vias Boas him. Exactly. Similar success. Exactly. So but he's doing pretty he's done pretty well at Benfica. Supposedly he's not he left uh... He left Benfica. I think he had quite a good time at Benfica though. It looks it looks pretty good. A sixty-seven percent win rate. Yeah, that looks really good. That's almost again, all. The time. That's winning almost all the time. <laughs> that is winning almost all the time. Sixty-seven <laughs> the time it works all the time. <laughs> exactly. Then we've got um, we've got Paco Jemez or Jemez. I can't remember which one you say the J and which one you don't. In in yeah. Mexican Spanish, you you do one thing, and if in Spanish Spanish, you do the other. Yes, I'm aware in Brazilian it's Jose, isn't it? Yes. But mm. he's a I mean, he's an intriguing I think I've seen several people sort of he's a he's a respected coach uh in, in Spain. Um quite a brave, almost a, a sort of footballing theologian. He really strongly believes in playing out from the back almost at, at any and all cost. Uh so would be kind of a fascinating. He also candidate. believes in a suicidal approach of throwing everything at the opposing goal, and yes. and then has been on the end of some very large spankings as a Absolutely. result. So, in conclusion, could be perfect for what I'm saying. He's also got a kind of soul patch gone to seed um in that he's got kind of like the bit the middle part of a goatee without any other part of it and i i don't know how i feel about that outside of maybe kind of a super villain it feels a bit much i think um his sort of overall career win rate a pretty um you know substandard 33 percent. he's only getting it done a third of the time um which i don't know if you remember bruno lege almost all the time one game so for comparison's sake he's losing out there um, we've then got uh, Ivic Vladimir Ivic who was sacked by Watford during during December um, sacked just a couple of days before we uh, we gave Pulis the uh, the shove also a man that has enjoyed a 60% win rate in his uh, his managerial career how uh, effectively just- did he do at Watford because Watford was his his chance, yeah. And seemingly, you know, we live in this world. We very much don't don't. We live outside this world where being fifth in the championship isn't too shabby. But then, if yeah. you're in, if you're 
um, at the helm of a football team that's with a giant squad that people say is going to piss the league and giant parachute payments, then it's not acceptable. And also, you're one of the teams that's in that position that, um, like Lance Armstrong in the peloton, um, you would also piss hot if they were testing uh, testing your urine for uh, for doping. Um, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because Watford, it, teams that have a disastrous season, there is an element of picking up the pieces and trying to... So that that's not it's not an easy task no. to turn a ship around, um, and we have seen several teams that have immediately gone to actually being worried about getting relegated the next season. I mean, one of the things that is sort of intriguing we, we don't talk when we're, we're not engaging in the Schadenfreude much of uh, of looking across the city because you know we've got quite enough misery. Um, a gnashing of teeth to do on on the Wednesday side of the city, um, but one of the things that the talk of of United keeping Wilder on next season because he's the best placed person to turn things around. I mean, in some ways, I can totally see it's sort of a, a level headed, sensible choice, but it's not going to be an easy task to ter- a team that has lost almost every week for a full. By that time, it'll be a full year. It's not a tap that can just be switched back on to suddenly be good. I mean, Huddersfield no. had a pretty good squad by championship standards last season, and immediately they were in trouble at the bottom of the table, and they spent the whole season sort of just about keeping their, their heads above water, but not nothing more than that. Um, so that's the thing with Watford. So, so fifth is quite good in a way because... It can be disastrous, uh, but then looking at that squad, man for man, probably should be doing better than fifth. And I think we sort of predicted they would be better than fifth by the end of things. So mm. it, I think it probably counts as a minor failure. Uh, but if you if you get yourself into the playoffs, you can get promoted, and then it doesn't really matter where you finished in the in the table. <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest, you know, it's getting yourself over the line. But not what do we think in terms of a pro, uh, perspective? I don't know anything about how Watford were playing, to be honest. I'm going to hold my hands up and say, you know, I'm not studying tape on Watford. It sounded like he had a very, he's a very defence-minded, he's a very pragmatic defence-minded manager. So the sort Um, of guy that Chancery would like to bring in and then tell him to play attacking football? Possibly. (laughs) Sorry, I'm being a bit facetious there, but you know. No, but uh, and you are being facetious, but unfortunately you're kind of not far from the truth, (laughs) are you? That's the problem. Yeah. See, you were thinking you were making a joke there, Rich, and and you did, and I do applaud you for that. But it could well be correct. It could well be it a could, thing that is real. Could be right. Yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off mid-flow. So they, they're defensive-minded. Apparently, he's very, um, he's very, very much. What's the word? Um, you know how like just lost Yos Lukai came in and basically said, "Well, you're not having, you know, you're not having this. You, you know, very authoritarian." Yes on the training yes. ground and he okay. looks a very imposing character yes he looks let's not mince words he looks like a baddie from a bond film he does he looks like a vampiric <laughs> mob boss yeah yeah uh, also the um in terms of um you know we've had several players frozen out or maybe frozen out he seemed to immediately fall out with troy deeney who 
has mm. kind of been the heart and soul of Watford for about 10 years. So, um, yes. Make of that what you will, really, I guess. But let's move on to someone who has been very closely linked to the job at, at previous points in the uh, the running, but is now out. The best odds you can get on this site are 16 to 1. Uh, Thorsten Fink. Uh, Thorsten Fink's an interesting one because it's not a too... It, it's not too damning a resume for no. the type of managers who... The prominent managers that we're linked with um, this usually seems to be a pattern of this is quite a maverick European manager who's, you know, hell, they've had success here, uh, but in recent times they've really fallen on bad times. So that's why the stock has been lowered to yes. the point to be, you know, scribbled in pixels across uh, across a betting site for the next odds. Um, yes. Seemingly, maybe someone who might have agent links. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a few of these people. In terms yeah. of foreign managers who, you know, you could probably do a bit of digging and find out that they're probably connected with some of the advisors who are advising Wednesday. Um, but it, he seems, it seems relatively, it seems more safe an option than quite a few of the other ones, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. There's well, that overarching feeling about that. Yeah, sort of a, a mixture of... Well, some some quite successful stints at, at decent clubs, some mm-hmm. fairly middling stints at others, um, but never particularly know, an embarrassment. Basel and, no, no, Basel and Hamburg, decent sized clubs. So Grasshopper Zurich. Um, it's Austria Vienna, which is, I guess is not rapid Vienna. So I don't know that they're the. I think they might be the junior of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vienna teams, but um, you know, a, a kind of pretty much fifty-fifty on his on his sort of win percentage. Uh, an interesting person to be linked with, I thought, and kind of fits the mould. We've almost we've had half of the managers under Chancery have been managerial merry-go-round Brits, and the other half have been left field, scattered CVs from the continent, and. Mm. Of those types, he seems, you know, that's he sort of fits a mould in a way. Um, so it didn't feel particularly outlandish and doesn't seem like it would be a terrible choice, although it would it would be a real shot in the dark. We don't know a huge amount about him and, and how he plays. Um, we're on to a little bit more familiar territory in the next run of uh, managerial prospects. So we've got Danny Cowley. Danny Cowley, who... One, what it might have been. Exactly, who talked to... Chancery, when we hired Monk, mm. it was heavily touted and rumoured. There were some talks, but we weren't the team to poach him and him and his brother from Lincoln. That turned no. out to be Huddersfield, and then hilariously, you know, it was the um, much like buttering a piece of toast on both sides. <laughs> or I, I remember a TV awful bit that was done said, well, if, if butter toast lands on its you know, buttered side down, and a cat always lands on his feet. If you mm. butter the top side of a cat, it'll just keep rotating around. So it was a difficult situation to look at for a game because the new manager bounce could be in effect for both teams. But uh, we absolutely did them because Huddersfield we were really in a difficult, really crappy situation. And fair to say, not a great... I mean, they did not enrich their CVs in, in that move. Um, no. But it, it seemed a bit like, I kind of imagine if, in a political sense, if you were kind of part of a political party vying for 
whatever the political control of a country would be during a bad time, you probably might say, you know, it's not bad if we lose this one because it's going to be a bad environment to be in. Um, I think Danny Cowley was purely just a custodian to see them bottoming out. It's ended up that way, hasn't it? I, I just, I mm. think the thing is, there was a lot of hype around them. Um, yes, yes. And what has happened is that shine has has been sort of tarnished. But mm. I, th- I think you're right. I think in a, in a way, it was a kind of hiding to nothing. It was a very difficult post picking up a Huddersfield team that had been almost record-breakingly bad the season before. Um, a lot of egos, a lot of big earners who aren't aren't earning the 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 price tag that they uh, they've managed to land for themselves. Um, but also, how generous was it for a situation and a project like Lincoln, who previously kind of a very much a football football league side, for mm. them to sink out into enter into the the ether beyond the fog into non league. And have a project where uh, Danny Cowley and his brother had all the time and resources to build a culture. And it sounded like everything you've heard from Lincoln was very much part and parcel and fabric of the town and of that culture. Yeah, yeah. Really, it seemed like a a lower league side welcomed them with open arms. And they they built something that, I mean, really, they built the hallmark now with a top third tier side, essentially. Lincoln yeah. seems to be there and thereabouts now after, you could al- after they departed. You could almost make some comparisons with him with them and the, or him and his his trajectory with uh, someone we've already talked about in Eddie Howe because Eddie mm. Howe br- brought Bournemouth up through the through the the leagues. Um, he took a kind of exciting proposition step up. Uh, by going to Burnley and it was a complete disaster um, and then he went back to, Bournemouth sort of welcomed him back with open arms and he took them on a tremendous journey but he was never able to kind of replicate that spirit that, that brought them brought them up with the with the new recruits and the, the worry is if you dropped Eddie Howe into a situation a sort of uh, for want of a better word or phrase a basket case club like Sheffield Wednesday are at the moment would he be able to make anything out of it or would he just completely, you know, throw his arms up in the air and just, I can't, you know, I can't do anything with this. Mm. There's nothing I, you know, if I can't pick players, if I can't, um, I'm not in charge of who comes and goes, then how can I build a, reliably build a, a culture that then good football comes out of? Um, yeah. Intriguing. Um, we've also so, so, sort of moving along, another another kind of familiar face in terms of English football is uh, Marco Silva. So he had a pretty successful time with with Watford, um, and and oh yeah, he was at Hull as well. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So he got kind of poached, didn't he, by Watford from Hull? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got the Everton job, but didn't really have the impact that he was supposed to have. At Everton, but again, I would say somebody you know on this list of well, some people you don't know anything about, some people you know a bit about. Um, I wouldn't, I would not mind seeing Marco Silva rock up as the next manager of Sheffield Wednesday. I don't. I think. wouldn't be too upset. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be uh, quite a, a palatable kind of appointment in terms of history and seeming approach from him as well. Yeah. And you'd hope some t- some links within the game that could maybe 
grab in a kind of surprising signing or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that still happens in this day and age of databases and scouting videos and whatever else, um, that's probably like they're, they're like we don't do that anymore. It's all AR and <laughs> Nigel Pearson. That's another man. Nigel Pearson is as low as six to one on uh, on eight 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 sports. But he's a serial never want, doesn't want the job. He's always a serial. A serial Wednesday managerial candidate, Nigel mm. Pearson, because of his previous links, alongside, um, you know, the slightly too old previous Sheffield Wednesday, Nigel, and there's Nigel Worthington as well. Yes. I, I must say, I, I think... Megson was that man, wasn't he? Megson was always the man for a very, very, very long time. So, I mean, it's, it's good to know. I mean, this is a, a comfort of us getting older, Rich, is that <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to see Steve Cotterell on the Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> managerial odds list. We don't have to see Ian Dowie propping a place up here. But Nigel Pearson, has uh, he's, he's been managing for quite a while. He's yep. had quite a, it's, it's quite a fairly, fairly decent resume. Maybe he was a little bit yeah. unfairly treated at Watford. It felt that way, didn't it? Although when you look at, when you look at a... <laughs> Seven at 16.7% win rating, win ratio. You sort of think, uh, was maybe, maybe it wasn't so what bad is, to get rid of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> maybe, felt, maybe we felt. have been, maybe Rich and I have been the ostriches, which he has called <laughs> journalists previously. Maybe the, there's always a thing about this the statistics, and there's a, there's a feel, there's a perception. So I'm fully aware. Like we all have different opinions, and you can all completely just run over mine in your car. You can run it over, and then you can reverse <laughs> back over it, and then you can go over it again, and you can just keep repeating that a few times. So I get that. So I don't know, Nigel Pearson. Um, he'll ne- it'll never happen, but he'll always be someone exactly. who will clod up these managerial lists. I don't share that, you know. That, but the, I suppose one thing that's well, I don't know whether it's worth saying, but I feel like I'm, I'm saying it now, so I'm just going to keep going. Mm. Um, but I, I don't share the kind of feeling that he is some messiah. We're we're awaiting the day when no. Do, do, but do you know what I mean? There's almost yeah. Quite often you see posts on social media like, "There's one man who would be perfect for the job," but you know, and they're like, "I don't know. He's not. He's not." <laughs> Pulled up, you know, met many trees in his career. He's not been a wonderful manager anywhere. I'm not dismissing his achievements. He's he's done all right um, almost everywhere he's gone, and he's got quite a varied CV. But I don't know. I'm just the football tends to be pretty dour. He is a very dour man, and. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. But he's the next Wednesday, ex Wednesday superstar captain, though, isn't it? That's the thing, isn't it? That's what it's about more than yeah. looking at anything to actually do, you know, to do with the reality of his situation. I just I think it's just, it's always cast as this, like, you know, if only, um, like almost the one that got away. <laughs> I know. I know. You know? I and, know. I know. But it's, it's, it's also. Just like, yeah, but... She did have that hair lip. Do you know what I mean? That, <laughs> no, sorry, that's an awful thing to say. Wait, let's go on to Jose. No, Morales. I know. No, I know because it's because this is the problem. Because it's like 
And I, I mean, also, like, the, the bookmakers list is very much listening and wanting to the average punter. And there are yeah. people who seemingly think that, I don't know, real life is Star Wars. Like it's the it's 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 the sort of thing. It's the it's the person lying in the you know lying awake in bed next to their wife of twenty five years, thinking of their like primary school girlfriend, and like, oh, if only I was with Jessica. And you're like, <laughs> you just don't. There's so little you know about Jessica. Jessica could be absolutely awful for all you know. Yes, you might exactly. be a terrible couple. Um, but it's just like this kind of, I don't know, there's this pining for what you can't have. Uh, and exactly. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> in his distance. It feels he, a bit like what you're saying with that. Remember, I think Broad City did this excellently, that Abby had a thing for that guy. What was his name? Oh, yes. The guy that the lived on the same floor as her. fascination with it. The long crush, the long fascination. You know, the dreamy soft focus that it was put into and then she got with him and found that he was really into pegging. And it, it kind of <laughs> yes. it kind of broke all of the fascination. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like we can do this. We can go down this road. But I, I think with I think there's very much a difference of opinion across Wednesday nights. I think there are some who would definitely love to see Nigel Pearson. And I yeah. I think it goes to probably us at the more end of the spectrum who'd be like, maybe not vehemently yeah. opposed, but maybe it'll be like this is gonna break. This is gonna break your. This is gonna break your, break your illusion of who he is. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's a fair takeaway. Pearson's into pegging. So, Jose Morales. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we talked about. We think Pearson's into peggings. I think Morales is into leggings. <laughs> there we go. That's the So a man with a. A wildly varied CV. He has been at many, many a club, um, <laughs> about half of which seem to, um, you know, either still exist or have a Wikipedia page. One of them is called Geo Geone Book Motors. Uh, and one of them is called Barnsley. Um, <laughs> not an exciting person to be linked with, I don't think, from what we know about him. I I remember. I, I think you were like me, Rich. You remember that time you're in Sheffield and you thought, shall I buy a car from Guy Salmon or John Book Motors? <laughs> yes. yes. We've all thought that experience. <laughs> then you remember that John Book Motors is a professional football club based in North Giallo <laughs> province of South Korea. <laughs> uh, so he's a big... Um, to be serious, he is a big agent, link, yes. isn't he? Mm -hmm. And also previously, to to really look into his previous assistant manager to Jose Mourinho, yeah, a couple of stints, a few stints. I think he spent quite a long time with him at Real Madrid, and I think a few other places as well. Um, and then has made the transition to management, which has been mixed and some places in some leagues with some standards that we're not entirely aware of because uh, Rich and I are terribly ill-informed about world football, but uh, but we try. But we try. We try to yes. lie about having a clue about these things. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> you sometimes wonder about having great win percentages. You're like, well, what's the standard of football, and what type of resources did John Book Motors have? Yes, yeah. Um, 
maybe maybe it's a really good car sales place. Maybe they've they've not got many lemons. <laughs> <laughs> well, they won the K League one in both of his first two seasons. Uh, I'm just giving you the knowledge that I've got at the top of my head. So I mean, they might sure. be. Might sound one thing we do know is that. that Barnsley fans said he was one of the worst managers they've had in their in their <laughs> recent history. However, though, with a win rate of twenty percent, that's twice as good as Tony Pulis. <laughs> so the only way is up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that is the worst of all the clubs that, as we say, still exist and have Wikipedia pages um, that he's managed. <laughs> that, that is that's that's the worst win percentage that he has at any club. But his uh, his time at at IAK Athens was only slightly better. Um, uh, yeah, so a kind of a, again an interesting person to be linked with. It's weird that we've got the kind of Barnsley his little dalliance with Barnsley. He wasn't there for very long, to be fair to him. But a, you know, a fourteen game stint or whatever it was to be the worst manager you've ever had. That's quite an achievement. Mm. Fifteen games it was. Fifteen games of which 15 he won three. Beautiful games. Of which oh, 20% man. is free. Yeah, free games. Yeah. I don't... I, I haven't heard this this next person linked at all, so I'm not quite sure where this one's come from. But Rene Weiler, is that one that's run past you at all? I think I've heard his name, or but Weiler, I'm... I'm probably yeah, seems, yeah. He, he looked... I think he ticked the box of foreign manager number, you know, letter Z for first to be linked with. So, Yeah. I don't know. He could be an agent link. I don't know a great deal about him. Um, fairly all right uh, for the last five clubs. Has win rates ranging from 42% through to 77% in his last appointment. Yes, I mean, 77% is... that's. I mean, that's right up there, isn't it? I mean, maybe, maybe if the championship is exactly the same as... Let me check my notes. Uh, <laughs> the Egyptian Premier League, then he'd be a great appointment. Well, it's known for its uh, similarity to, to the championship, isn't it? That's what they yeah. say about it. I'm sure Mido has played in both. It's so Africa's EFL Skybet Championship. Welcome to the home of Africa's EFL Skybet Champion. Um, yeah, we're, we're not even going to pretend to know anything about him. This next guy, he, I've heard of this chap. He doesn't have a picture on the site, which makes me very <laughs> suspicious of him. But ne- Neil Thompson, Neil Thompson. Know him at all? <laughs> I think he's existed within the existing coaching staff at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> he does have a bit of managerial experience. I didn't know that. He um, does. He does. He did so well at being a manager that he he became a coach uh, and and I guess an, uh, an assistant manager uh, again. <laughs> That's maybe a bit unfair, but it's not a it's not a glowing record. It's um, it's York City, Scarborough, and Boston United, and. Uh, Winning just over a quarter of those games. How how much do you think Neil Thompson kind of reminds you of maybe someone to be probably damning? And you know this will probably be funny for for Rotherham United fans because they could well overtake us. But you know someone like Paul Warren. Yeah. You know someone who's a quite competent lower league manager. I thought you were going to say Steve Evans for a second, and I thought not at all. Actually, it doesn't remind me of Steve Evans at all. Um, sure. <laughs> well, I, I think the th- I think the th- um, there's the kind of uh, the old adage that you know possession's nine tenths of the law. He's got 
the job at the moment. He's doing. Mm. He's making a blooming decent fist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know, in his sick bed with COVID, he manages to to oversee a pretty comfortable uh, cup win away uh, on a boggy a boggy pitch. Um, I, but do what you? Would it take? How long? How how much further would this sort of run need to stretch for you to start to think we should give it to Thompson? I think it would have to be for some some reason have to be not quite as long as Stuart Gray's reign a caretaker because that was like eleven games, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That was a very very long time to the point where yeah to the point where Mandarich just I think just kind of forgot to make a decision on anyone else really so and then we've got yeah we've got Coventry and Wickham next. What if we beat them both? If we beat them both and he still hit the club and. We haven't made a decision on anyone else, then yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm intrigued by, yeah, by what, but maybe that, what it would take, the hypothetical of what it would take for him to I be. The interesting thing is, and I, I, I don't know, he's the man who is seemingly the one who is in the lead of the bunch. Yeah. So, but there's very much a feel of, you know, we're all coming together. That's, I think, the big thing for the unison and the unity right now. And it feels like it feels a bit more of a possibly a joint effort. Maybe that seemed a bit damning to, to Neil Thompson. Um, Maybe. But I mean, we also had that period before of, do you remember that last period we had of Bullen where it felt like the expectation was, we are going to give Bullen a chance at this. Yes. And it didn't go well. No, it didn't. No, In fact, it went well for two games. He won the first two, didn't he? And then... Lost the next two, is that right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And it was the manner of the losses, really, that were quite damning for Bullen. Mm. It was it was sort of aimless flailing. Uh, yeah. Acted out by 11 men on a football pitch. Someone, be. someone I mean, dropping something and then trying to catch it. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be that he has the swing of momentum and it could keep going. I'm, I'm really not sure what where Chancery is at mentally for this, you know? No. That's which the is, thing is oh God, sorry. Which is quite scary. Well he's a he's a great and unknowable being, isn't he? Mm. Um talking down into his laptop screen. Uh we I don't it's just intriguing to me because I, I this is not an inspiring list of managers. So I think we should finish it off, and then maybe it's worth talking about Thompson again, potentially at the end of you know, once we've spoken about the game. But I, I, I'm I'm almost in a position where <laughs> he's already sort of done as well, or he's already done better than Pulis. Mm. Within another two or three games, he might have already accrued almost as many points as Monk did. Do you know? So I'm like, <sighs> we've been so badly served. With sort of managerially this this season and, and last or the, or the, this the year at least let's say this year mm-hmm. 2020 and now you know 2020 we were so poorly served by the manager choices we had that it's just not difficult to look a lot better than that I think mm-hmm. it's just a sort of strange position I'm just you know potentially you could be in a position where from the next three two three games if we got seven points out of that. That would be the best run we've had. Well, it's already, in some ways, the best run we've had since last since Christmas, twenty nineteen. Um, but it would 
it would make things feel a lot more rosy around the club. Um, we don't, we won't know his limitations or the limitations, as you say. This maybe is a bit of a team mm. effort. We mm-hmm. won't know the limitations of that team until they are stretched. But the players seem to be playing for them in a way that certainly wasn't the case for Tony Pulis. I think really wasn't the case for Monk. I think so. There's there's that aspect. Yeah. And with the young players, you'd hope he's got a good insight into the talents that we have available because he's been involved at that youth level as well. So potentially you've got someone who's got the confidence and the, I don't know, the enthusiasm of the, f- the current first team and a bit of an insight to get the best out of what's what's available beyond that. That's not a bad choice potentially to have, but I, mm. and I guess you've always got the, you could just drop in a manager at any point if it starts to go sour. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an intriguing, an intriguing sort of prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, moving beyond Thompson, we've got Gus Poyet up next, who is another <laughs> no. one that has a hasn't managed the team for more than two years um, and has, again, has a pretty patchy record. It's been Just, a long time since his stock was high with Brighton, mm, right? A long, long time, yeah. And also, in regards to that, how much was Brighton just a good place and time? Brighton yeah. also seemed to be uh, kind of looking at like the, the politics. I'm, I'm very aware of... I, I thought it was funny because purely because I, I thought it was, I, I remembered a time in my 20s when I was into poker, so I often right. recognized Tony Bloom, right, who, yes. who's the very kind of mildly Quentin Tarantino resembling uh, poker player who would often be on the TV screen and aware that he was actually a very, very rich kind of man who runs, I think he runs like a sports analytics betting company or something along those lines, I think it is. Whatever his uh, yeah. whatever his business is, he's a very wealthy man. Has has basically yeah. sunk a lot of money into making Brighton a very attractive opportunity and creating spending a lot of money to do the right things at a football club, which has basically led to I think a number of years kind of struggling or bothering or being in around that that kind of championship you know playoff picture, including us when we beat them, and then eventually yeah. they got up yeah. and then seemingly beginning to cement themselves as you know a premier league mid-table side so how much of his previous success was thanks to that environment yeah i think that's a good it's a good point because if you're part of that project as you say there's money being thrown at it there's kind of a logistical thinking beyond the manager so you you are the kind of showpiece head of of the train as it were but you're not mm. you're not the guy in the engine room necessarily um so Yes, you get some of those successes, but not all of it. And um, he was there for that transition from a League One side to a championship side, right? Yeah. And then the person who's kind of been the figurehead of the next step of that was Chris Hewson. Yes, who seems like a much better manager. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Although he is really struggling at, uh, at Forest right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think your initial just laughing and saying no is the absolute right answer when it comes to Poyet. And maybe a couple more of these candidates who are depressingly short uh, in terms of the odds available. Um, We've got Mick McCarthy, who's fresh off the back of uh, a whopping, I'm just going to double check, I think it was five games. Um, He's just been managing Ati Nuyu in Greece 
And weirdly, it's not loading. It doesn't want me to know how long. <laughs> oh, no. He managed a whole eight games, actually. Sorry. Wow. Take it back. Wow. Two wins, one draw, five losses. Do you know, sometimes the loss percentage would be better than the win percentage in terms of looking at these figures because that is a hearty number of, of games to lose. Mm. Um, I would... Why is why is Mick McCarthy such short odds? Who would want him? We've just done this with Pulis. Surely he is just... They're the same man, the same gruff, boring dinosaur... Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the diff, a different man in the same Barney costume, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> He's a grim Yorkshire man instead of being a grim Welshman, but that is about the stretch of difference. Or am I? Am I wrong? Would you? Would Would you welcome a, a Mick McCarthy, Luke? No, I. I think there was a brief period where I think he, under very kind of reductive, difficult circumstances, had Ipswich playing quite well above their station mm. until the point where he left and then i think ipswich really sunk down to where they should be in the world you know in the rankings unfortunately yeah, yeah. you know i don't think they would i would not view them as a third tier side i would probably view them as a second tier side probably alongside unfortunately sheffield wednesday um so i i think that's harsh but i, I think that was probably the time to think about mick mccarthy I don't think the time to think about Mick McCarthy is now. But again, this is this is betting lists. This is um, yeah. a bookmaker doesn't have much imagination, or and also the punter doesn't have much imagination. Yeah. So someone's put a fiver on him, and he's riding high in the charts. <laughs> yes, I, I I do take your point. Um, just to bring some sunshine and cheer to this list, we've got the comedy candidate Joey Bart again. Uh, (laughs) don't get him near your cigars it's joey barton again someone has i think there's been a bit someone must have done a bit of agent talk joey barton's agent must have put something out there someone put him on their list at like reasonable odds someone's put a fiver on him he's two to one on 888 sport well, he's just walked out of his, or, or been sacked by Fleetwood under somewhat of a, cla- a cloud. Mm. Uh, and uh, so there's also there's also everybody's friend of uh, putting two and two together and maybe getting you know seventeen and a half. Um, I just he's a nutter, and I don't know why. I don't. We're already enough of a circus. We don't need the added. <laughs> nuttiness of mm. joey barton it's yeah. i cannot see how having him uh, you know i know he kind of cleaned up his image vaguely for five minutes he started quoting the smiths and writing long posts on some blog he's a he's a head case <laughs> yes, uh, yes he spent a football career being okay and also borderline murdering people he stubbed a cigar out in the eyes of a youth team player he's an awful he's had brushes with like you know being called racist at various points he's you know you name it almost he's done it and now he's a manager 
Mm. I mean, it's only one step better than watching somebody like you. You don't have the uh, joy of this, Luke. But watching somebody like Martin Keown, who spent a career just thumping people and being a ginormous bully, watching him pretend to be a normal human being in a TV studio as he talks about football. And Sunez as well is another one in this in this guy's absolute vicious um, mm. madman who now sits in a suit and talks sensibly about things. And Joey Barton is just, he's that, but he's on the sideline rather than, <laughs> rather than in a TV studio. Please no. But uh, two to one on 888 if you want to jump on. Oh, this maybe is the, the most depressing name on the whole list for me. <laughs> Chris Coleman. Please, please, please no. Yeah. Although I was who... amazed by his... I would like Chris Coleman, you know, in terms of getting a cameo or having a life coach, if it was Chris Coleman's job to wake me up in the morning and give me a pep talk, I'm I'm there for it. Watching that Sunderland documentary, the man has just reams and reams of self-belief, a tremendous positive mental attitude, but he's not a very good manager. We need someone that gets more out of a team than they have. The only thing he's ever achieved as a manager is going, do you know what? (laughs) I think I'm going to play Gareth Bale. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) Possibly riding the coattails of Gary Speed before him. Yes, RIP. Also, um, you know, he, he was a man where his stock was really high with Wales. And yes, then yeah. he went to Sunderland. It's one of the ma- the maddest moves in football ever. It's one of the worst chess moves. Yes, exactly. It's the, equi- it's the equivalent of having your opponent in checkmate and throwing the board in their face and leaving the room. I would have thought my version of that, Rich, is I'm going to take the knight and stick it up my nose. <laughs> or another orifice. You might as well go for the Anos in this in that occasion. You know, come on. Um, the final man on the list, I think, probably a consensus favourite for the job. The last two times it's come up, um, it's Paul Cook. It's the permanently sore throated scouser, Paul Cook. Former former podcast guest. Yes, yes, of we course. we go way back with Paul Cook. I mean, I really wish you would have got a chance to talk to him, Rich. It was frustrating that when you know I got to chat to him and you were you would you were you went to make yourself a sandwich. Yeah, I know. I I mean I'm glad I stopped doing that, but then it's weird that the guests have dried up since. It's for yeah, it is strange. <laughs> um, but seriously, Paul Cook. Um, I hope he will just cook, won't he, at Sheffield Wednesday? Because <laughs> I think he's the most palatable option. I think his stock is high, but I think also previously. Um, it's weird because he's also got those, he's got that notes. If we pick up this glass of Paul Cook wine and bring it to our nose, um, yes. I'm getting certain notes it. of ex-local manager with Chesterfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, I, I think he ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Um, the only thing that maybe concerns me is maybe his previous relationship with Josh Windass, possibly, um, I've heard that's not so good if rumors are to be believed. That's what we, yeah, that's what, what, what's been uh, circulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I yeah. think he plays decent, kind of attractive football. He did very, very well with the Wigan side. 
that yeah. maybe I didn't seem and think was so great, but maybe there was a fortunate nature with that, that he, he had a really good bunch behind him. Um, but again, it just seems like the more, the most logical option. And I think it's the one that I think an overwhelming majority of Wednesday nights would be. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad appointment. I think you're right. I think the football seems to be fine. You know, it's not, but you know, again, we, uh, we have become accustomed to very watery, thin gruel as Wednesday fans of late. Mm. So, I think it will be an absolute tonic uh, if, if we're in the position where he is the manager. It will be um, sort of night and day with some of what we've seen previously. Um, I, it, he's had success. You know, He's. He, I think he's got three promotions on his record at different clubs. I, I would say, I think the, the caveat is that Chesterfield, Portsmouth and Wigan all had money when he was there, when he got them promoted. Mm. But you've got to do the job and... It feels like he does the job that he's there to do more often than not. I mean, it's quite unfortunate what happened last season, and I think he was kind of a victim of the the uh, the wage rules that we've we've already talked about in League One. Mm. Um, I would be I would be pleased to see him as the manager. The only disappointing thing, if he is named a manager, is why on earth he wasn't the appointment last time. Uh, I, you know, that, but who knows? It, it, it's been that the the reign of Tony Pulis is such a bizarre little blip in the history of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Um, but yeah, interesting to see all these links. I think for for me, I I would like Paul Cook. Uh, I wouldn't hate Thompson being given a bit of a run, but that mm. would quite quickly change uh, based on performances. But I'm, I'm I'm impressed with what he's done with the team so far. Um, there we go. Well, I think we've been through all the the runners and riders, folks. Uh, any <laughs> there's some mad people at thirty three to one. If you if you want to just look at a list of random footballing personalities sure. just go for it uh this is a this is the list for you the you know robbie fowler um steve clark rafa benitez you know these are people that will never ever be manager of sheffield wednesday and no. have no interest in it either way uh <laughs> it's just sure well i mean if you stuff. if you want to get some better odds maybe you request a quest a bet for kanye west to be <laughs> the next sheffield wednesday manager uh, maybe the corpse of Jeffrey Epstein would be the Sheffield. <laughs> I don't know. Anything incendiary or foul or fantastical, put down. Maybe just make uh, a, a donation to your local bookmaker to keep them going through these really tough times. Well, that's it. I mean, that's a nice thing, isn't it? We've 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 given the bookmakers of Sheffield two two goes at it this this year, and in that way. It's a shame that Chinsiri is not being celebrated as as a champion of local business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Shall we talk about the game of football that happened this weekend, Luke? We probably should. We probably should. <laughs> uh, well, so the the victim of the main victim of the the uh, the COVID localized COVID outbreak at uh, Hillsborough and the Middlewood Road training ground was the bench very light very light of coaching staff and light of substitutes they had to disinfect a lot of the bench um <laughs> so people could sit on the bench that's why we only took four players yes 
that's a very slim, slim bench, especially in these days of uh, five subs. That's um, it mm-hmm. was for really to see. Uh, and and amongst them, they're all youngsters. Uh, and uh, am I right in thinking that Rice hasn't played first team football yet, or is it just was it just um, a Rat Thompson making his debut? Uh, a Rat Thompson and Ryan Galvin. Well, yeah, Ryan Galvin made it. So, but he got the he got the start, didn't he? he got the nod from the off, which is uh, which is fantastic. Um, so, out the kind of you know out, outfield t- team, for want of a better word, doesn't look massively different to what we might expect for a league game. Uh, um, Alex Hunt is a. Uh, it's rare that he's a member of that that midfield, but it, it has happened previously in the season. Um, but we've got you know we had Harris, Patterson, Reach, Bannon. Pelipesi, kind of all uh, almost ever present. Same with Odebajo, but then quite a lot of youth in in that uh, that first team as well as the the bench. So the three of the back four were Wednesday youngsters, mm-hmm. um, with Brennan and Shaw as the centre backs and uh, Galvin, as we said. At uh, um, what what did you? I mean, it's hard to know. Obviously, City, a team playing in League Two. Um, it's hard to set your expectations for these sort of games because you don't know what the quality of of League Two football is. Is that fair to say? That is very fair. Yeah, we can make a guess, um, but we're pitching a kind of a Wednesday team made up of people that we don't, we're not particularly familiar with, against a a team of players that um, play at a level of football that we're not particularly familiar with. So it's kind of hard to to know just looking at team sheets what what to expect from the game but but Exeter started brightly didn't I was I was pretty worried from that those first sort of mm. 10 minutes or so um I don't think Bannon ever really got used to the pitch yeah there, there seemed a very kind of temporary kind of grip on midfield mm. from from our perspective especially Fully enough, you know maybe damningly so that you know we seem to go with a 4-5-1 kind of mentality yeah today um, do you think it, if it was so interesting with the lineup that like yeah, it sorry. felt it felt to me a lot like you know that game you play as a kid where um, you draw like the head and then you pass it to your mate, you fold it over and pass it to your <laughs> mate, draw the rest. Like it seemed like the top half was like a young skateboarding whippersnapper, and the top half and the bottom half was like pinstripe suit trousers below with my nice <laughs> shoes. Because it's a very young kind of back line, inclusive of the more experienced, you know, maybe Adebayo and obviously Wildsmith as well. But but then yeah. from the forward, it's all it's all first team. Yeah, pretty much first team notes of first team to the point of Alex Hunt. Um, obviously, a lineup ravaged by injury and COVID, and FDB still can't get a game. No, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just put in below Eric Thompson just to make a fine point of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I just <laughs> I, I don't. It's it's strange with Fizzy, isn't it? I thankfully he did get on the pitch today, so I'm just I'm pleased for him on that. On mm. that. Um, <clears throat> I just thought, I, yeah, Bannon. I was just I, I don't think he ever really got going today, although he did obviously play a part in uh, the first goal. But he just gave possession away so often. And that he started off the the first the highlights of the game for Exeter really 
most of them happened in that first sort of period of the game, that first 20 minutes. And I think three of them were started by Bannon losing the ball under very little pressure in midfield, just passing it away and sending them on their run. Um, And a couple of times really being bailed out by those youngsters at the back. Uh, also helped by some poor finishing at times by Exeter, um, particularly the one uh, what's uh, Jay having that header in the middle of the box that where he should have gone with the volley. You know, he's almost on his knees, head, trying to head the ball when it was it was somewhere around thigh height, uh, and he was unmarked. Um, but I, I think beyond that first initial kind of panicky first few m- minutes, I, I would say it was a fairly comfortable performance by and large would you go along with that yeah i mean we we never particularly seem troubled by them it's it's just another wednesday game where we're just typically kind of in the races not particularly looking scintillating um i i feel a bit sometimes a little bit um bemused and a little bit a little bit uh bewildered doing this podcast because i try and be passionate and interested but sometimes it feels a bit like we're doing we're doing a podcast about burger king every week (laughs) and then at one point i just lose my rag and then say look it's burger king it's it's burger king every time it's just it's very kind of very wednesday-esque um sometimes i mean we we got the spoils and I, i think that's probably the best we do with it it is changed. It is much improved, and I'm very grateful for that. But sometimes it it kind of feels like we are, you know, it, it we're going in the majority of teams in attacking sense. It's not scintillating. This game is like us attempting to slice an uncut tiger bread with a plastic fork, <laughs> you know. But we get those moments of like a weird miracle where it it eventually it it's kind of we get a bit of fortune and it it kind of goes through. Well. I think one of the things that's always that always I'm trying to sort of not make this sound as damning as maybe it, maybe it is or maybe maybe I don't want it to sound as damning as it I don't know but I, I one of the things that is surprising it's always it always happens with the FA Cup you know we characterize it as the magic of the FA Cup but I think what what's almost disappointing as a as a Sheffield Wednesday fan you like to think we've got some quality in the squad the the players that we would be proud of are people you know the people we would talk to fellow fans about oh you know are oh, bannon's so good on the ball he does this that and the other i'm trying to think of a conversation with a human being um which doesn't happen very often nowadays so um forgive me if i'm if if i'm not managing to quite capture how how to speak to each other um but you know like the, the sort of person you you're proud to see at your football club then there's sort of folks like there's the guys that like are a kind of diamond in the rough on his day he's this that and the other and i sort of thought today reach looked a class above reach looked like he is significantly better he has qualities to his play that put him head and shoulders above the other the guys in, that are playing for X. Uh, he's one of the few people that could say that today. I thought I was disappointed by Harris. I, I just, mm. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether Caprice got in his head. Maybe they've got really good fullbacks. I don't know because they did swap over. I do think Harris struggles when he's not got the, the run on somebody, when he's not quicker than you he sort of stops trying but i just thought 
today he had so many opportunities with the ball and produced next to nothing. He he got a really a couple of really crap shots off where he just sort of hit a defender in front of him. I don't know. I'm not trying to moan about the game, but I think it's just you're watching it and you're like, what I want to see as a Wednesday fan is that my team is comfortably better than a League Two team, a team that is two whole divisions away from them. Mm. And some players did that. I think the team performance as a whole did that. I think this was a very comfortable win. And I, I, I will build up to... <laughs> there's things I'm proud about and ha- very, very happy about from this performance. But actually, the senior pros kind of, I felt, underwhelmed and let down by them. I thought yes. Barton could yeah. not keep hold of the ball. I thought Patterson looked like he had his feet on the wrong way around and he put somebody else's head on. I don't remember him winning a header. Uh, he just didn't look at the races at all. Um, and I don't think Harris was bad, but there just were moments. Like when he, you know, the ball that he played through to Hunt in the second half, there was a break. He took a man on and I'm like, great, you have Patterson breaking down the middle. You've got reach inside of him. You've got Hunt out wide screaming for it. This is dreamland for a winger. You, you've got which assist do you want to, 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 which goal do you want to set up is essentially mm. what the was in. And what he did was play a ball that was behind or too slow for Alex Hunt's run, gave all of the momentum to the defender, and Hunt did well to get a shot away. But he took a, a beautiful situation where slide in Patterson, he goes one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Slide in Reach, he goes one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And play a ball in front of Alex Hunt enough with enough pace, and he goes one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And you manage to... You know, it's the well. I think we have used the the image before. It's a crude image, but you know, falling in the barrel of tits coming out sucking your own thumb is what Harris managed to do in that situation. And I just it sort of summed up his day that mm. you should be that you should be better than than Caprice for for Exeter. You should have him on toast. Um, you know, you are you are paid multitudes multiples of his salary. You play at a much higher level. You should yes. be you should be significantly better, more skillful than these guys. Um, but let's. So that's my sort of slight moan out of the way. I won't do too much of that. Yes, uh, yes. I promise. <laughs> but not much. I think so. Exeter had that bright start. We didn't have many chances, but the ones we had were good, and we and we generally took them quite well. Um, and, and obviously, the, the, grabbing the first goal was kind of the the most significant moment in the game. Really, was going and grabbing that first goal, and it was a good, despite the fact I've moaned about him. It was it was quick, clever thinking from Bannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, ball dropped in for Reach. Reach just dealt with it fantastically. He controlled it with his head, a nice little nod into his own path, and then smashed it into the near post or the near side we- of the goal without even looking. Yeah. But I also think I, I, the interesting thing to say about this, I think the interesting thing about this game to to be slight and uh, let's kind of do this around the, the you know talking about this first goal. Um, we didn't ex- we expected more from the professional you know professional established championship players yeah. that we have on the books. They didn't largely didn't probably do enough to kind mm-hmm. of outshine the opposition. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it was a great bit of skill from Adam Breach. I think, though, you can probably say that the standard of goalkeeping for that oh, yes. level, yeah. that probably means that, I think, in the championship, that would probably be another missed, rude opportunity that Sheffield Wednesday would have. But... Um, yeah, possibly. I do think it, the fact he didn't look, didn't let the keeper set himself, but the keeper didn't cover himself in glory. Mm. I, I thought he looked really... For a team that was sort of nominally trying to pass it around at the back from time to time, he looked very shaky. Um, maybe not quite as shaky as our own um, shaky, shaky goalkeeper, uh, but he didn't look particularly comfortable with that. And then also the two chances... Um, he definitely should have done better with both of them. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's, uh, that's yeah, I, I agree. Totally undeniable. <laughs> that's, uh, but to to be positive about this, I mean, we it nice everything we oh. needed to do, we did. I mean, it was a great yeah. ball from Bannon. Yeah, uh, that's really what we expected a lot more of today, and probably let down and reach. You know, a, another chapter in the popular kids model: Adam and the Giant Peach. Yes. Um, so yeah, to to have that flick on, to have that half volley to kind of turn and swivel and just rifle it as quickly and as, you know, as with such speed that he did, I think really shows the class of those two players. So there we go. More nil. Yeah. I think the other thing in defense of these players, we don't know how many of them were probably due for and maybe prepped for having a, a nice weekend off. Exactly. exactly. Um, and there maybe was a bit of an element of, there's a bit of chugging going on, I think, in terms of our uh, um, off, our momentum at times. And may, maybe I think Patterson in particular was kind of really looked like a guy that was told, you know what, you're not going to have to run around after lost causes today. Don't worry about it, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, so we got we got to half time with that one nil lead intact. Um, <laughs> I did message you that uh, they must have lovely oranges down in Exeter because. We really did come out with a complete lack of momentum and um, just handed handed things over to to Exeter. I think again, Barry Bannon. I think on three occasions in the first ten minutes, gave the ball away under little mm. or no pressure. Um, two of those set them on fairly decent breaks forward. Uh, interestingly, what <laughs> the turning point in the second half. I say interestingly because it normally happens to us. When they made their double substitution, they never got their momentum back. And we have been that team so many times. Uh, How many games, Luke, have we been chasing? We look okay at the hour mark. We make the big, you know, we make the get the extra striker on. And then all of that head of steam we built up just dissipates. And that happened to us today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they brought on an extra striker and absolutely fizzled out altogether. Um, we then got this, the, the 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 introduction of Fizzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delhi Bashiru got on the pitch at 64 minutes. That was nice. Nice to see him. What did so Hunt came off? Not a shining performance for Hunt. No, no. Again, I don't um, think he let himself down. But no, that's all gone. No, I, I think it's uh, very much, and we can kind of get on to, I imagine this is probably going to heavily kind of uh, <laughs> foreshadow what we're going to say at the end in yeah. terms of man of a match. And but this was very much a day for the youngsters. Yes. Um, but that didn't seem to move past the back line. No, I th- there was a couple of bits from Hunt. So I think you're not helped. If you're the 
the third if you're supposed to be the most attacking guy in that midfield three mm. and the middle guy keeps giving the ball away your chances to influence the game are going to be affected you know there's, yes yes there's no two ways about it so i'm so i'm sure uh, hunt spent more time in our half kind of helping bailers out of situations than he was expected to and he expected to um there were a couple of nice moments i think there was a, there was a point where he was under quite a bit of pressure that he had sort of two uh exeter players around him and he still managed to pick out a nice pass further forward and i did like i do like that about him he's very loath sometimes to his cost but he is young you've got to allow for some you know mishaps and stumbles along the way but he's very loath to just lump a ball away he likes to make sure he's passing to someone he's he's moving us up up the pitch Mm. you know that's that's something he seems to be have a kind of um you know he takes on that responsibility and i think that's a nice thing to see um he also had two efforts on goal again neither of them were particularly good but it's nice to see somebody getting into those spaces and not afraid to shoot because we have a midfield that cowers away from chances by and large so um not a shining performance but not i don't think you know not a letdown not a mark against him particularly mm. but uh not i was excited to see him play i was excited to see what he would do and maybe was a little bit underwhelmed by the, the final but product definitely not the buzz of his last kind of fa cup game yeah you know where he came on at home against uh man city yeah it was kind of literally just before the lockdown wasn't it was it that was. the last game wednesday played before yeah outside of pandemic football um, it's a whole crowd of people and stuff it was weird oh it's insane i can't People imagine like breathing next to each other and singing and clapping it's it was really strange <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so no there wasn't any kind of great spark to his play that was disappointing i don't yeah i completely agree with you that he didn't embarrass himself if there wasn't there wasn't a bad performance on the pitch no in terms of anyone who played for Sheffield Wednesday today. But there were a lot of average performances. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. It, it seemed to be the real outbreak of 6 out of 10s on the game. <laughs> yes. You know, that seemed to be seemed to be a super spreader event. And unfortunately, <laughs> Alex Hunt wasn't super spreading the ball around as well as we hoped he would. <laughs> so I think that let's, in terms of, uh, you know, mm. that we talked about the game turning a corner with the, the, the goal to go ahead... I think in terms of my notes and my feelings about the game, um, they really started to turn a corner around that 68-minute mark, um, where Shaw made an interception. He dropped his shoulder to sort of ghost past one tackle. He then seemed to run himself into trouble and did a kind of roulette pirouette swirl out of that and then picked a pass out to Adam Reach about 40 yards away on the opposite flank. Um, and he just seemed to find a lease of life in this game from centre-back that it made me think of Dominic Iorfa, it made me think of Majid Bouguera. Mm-hmm. It made me think good things. I had happy thoughts and a song in my heart, Luke. This was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> These are things you want to see from a promising youngster bursting through uh, bursting through the ranks. He, he had a few of those. <laughs> um, and... Well, the best of all the crowning sort of moment for him was was his involvement in the the second and and final goal. Uh, you know, I love played, I so love how you said involvement, Rich. 
as though you know he had a little bit of a part to play. Um, he just a small bit, just a crumb. Yeah, it was it was almost like maybe he could have. He wouldn't have because um, he was in a bad angle and it was a difficult shot, and also it's Liam Shaw. Um, but in that moment, maybe we could have thought that he was. He was, uh, I don't know, he was uh, a future, uh, I think it's Josh Windass has, has put him as a Liam Shaw Ballon d'Or. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Massimo Luongo can maybe give him some tips on getting on the shortlist. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I did misspeak uh, earlier. Um, the, the 68th minute run did start with a terrific tackle by the way um just to just to give him pay him his dues in that in that regard but yeah the goal was just mouthwatering stuff you know 90th minute of the game he's been on the pitch for for all of that he's had a pretty all action performance it wasn't a quiet game for the two center backs um and you know he picks up the ball just outside of our box Bursts through a couple of tackles to get to the halfway line. Pushes out to the opposite flank that he started on. Mm. Sucks in a couple of players. Comes out of that with the ball um, and and the freedom of the wing to himself. Uh, continues to run into the box. And then just calmly picks it out for Patterson to slot home. It was just incredible. Just completely out of nowhere. <laughs> where did where did that come from? I was just thinking, yeah, just... It felt like one of those moments where somehow there was a brief kind of uh, there was a brief kind of quantum leap body swap <laughs> with, like I said, Lionel Messi. It reminded me about uh, New Year's goal against Preston. Yes, where just seemingly out of nowhere, we have never seen anything of this skill set from this player, and they bring it out in just the most. It's just the most delectable run. It's not just one moment. It's not just one touch. It is a number of them. You well, can yes, you can right. replay every little bit of this, and it's just brilliant. He just has the pace and the audacity and the balls of size of Texas to just yes. absolutely go over this. And then this is the brilliant thing. It reminds me a little bit of we're almost a year away, I think. We probably are a year away from, you know, a, a, what, some of the nice things I think picked up by the kind of football journalists who, you know, who follow Wednesday. Yeah. Um, one of their favorite moments, I think it was maybe, maybe it was Joe Cran, maybe it was Dom House. And one of the, one of those people said this was one of the best Wednesday moments of 2020. And that was the interview with Azaza Yurahide yes. after his debut against Brighton. Yeah. And that was a brilliant performance, but he picked up that real energy. That is the best thing of youth. That is the best thing about these young players who come on because they are so G'd up for it. And they have bet wholeheartedly on themselves. And there's no fear. They don't pick up on that situation. And maybe obviously kind of uh, buoyed on by, you know, there's no expectation um, in this kind of situation. There's no kind of great crowds, which is a shame for Liam. It is a real shame because those two at the end, if if they'd been in front of the away end, that would have been absolute pandemonium. It would have been fantastic. And could you imagine as well if you it it really feels a bit like, you know, I taught last year during the pandemic when we shut down my favorite goals. And mm. one of my clear favorite away goal memories was David Prutton away at Oldham. Yes, yes. Where again, just just pure magic. Yes. In that moment. And you can just feel it. And you and I've 
I'm really grateful that somebody did record that on their phone the whole moment and just captured everything from that vantage point that we had behind the goal at Boundary Park. And it would have been something had... It's really sad that that is a really great moment. Um, This is a really great moment in so far in a season that's pretty disappointing and pretty underwhelming and a pretty crushing time in human history. Um, probably a pretty sad time in our lives and probably countless listeners as well. So it's a real shame that Liam Shaw didn't get that moment. I, he didn't get the moment to celebrate his, you know, his first professional goal yeah. for the club he supported at Hillsborough, yeah. yeah, you know, recently. And then he's, he's almost done one better. Like it's, you know, last time he scored a goal by being in the right position and just getting a touch on it. It's just timing his run, you know, well, and then it's just get something on it and it goes in. And this time he's just, I, I can't believe, I can't believe it. I still can't believe it, really. It's interesting what you game, A game of such average <laughs> mediocrity. It didn't deserve the goodness of that run, did it? It didn't deserve no, it. No, it didn't. Yeah. No, it really didn't. <laughs> It's so at odds with the rest of the content of the game. It's bizarre. It's like yeah. somebody giving an Oscar-winning performance in like the middle of a Wayans brother uh, spoof movie. <laughs> Do you know, like exactly. that's sort of what exactly. it's like. Yeah. <laughs> All around is 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 cheap cheap thrills and mediocrity. And here I am. You know, I'm Daniel Day Lewis, um, living the part on an offset. Yeah. Oh, just. Fantastic to see. I think Patterson, amazingly, Patterson has three goals in three games now. I think he's having mm. a, a, a dog rough game of it, um, but managed to come away with a goal. I, I I think, again, the keeper probably should have done better. Patterson sort of hit it straight at him uh, and it still went in. But um, I also think Patterson is the perfect person to have alongside you in that situation because he loves scoring goals. He loves being involved in goals. And uh, he was just as excited at Liam Shaw at what Liam Shaw had just managed to do. Um, So that was, that was a really lovely moment. Um, I I think it was Matt. Like, I don't like the brilliant, beautiful thing about this. I'm going to say from Patterson was that Mm -hmm. like, he would never for a second be like, Hey, this is me. Because he, like, yes, we we mentioned previously, we can tell that he uh, is very enthusiastic and loves Liam Shaw, which yes. is fantastic. It's great to see that <laughs> that spirit and love of the of, you know bringing through and looking after the young lads at the club. Um, but the funny that Liam Shaw went to celebrate like it was something wholly and a hundred percent that he had done, which is correct, <laughs> with like with the fans in spirit, you know, gesticulating to the away end. And then Patterson goes to celebrate. And if you hadn't seen what happened, if you blinked for two seconds <laughs> after that point, you know, where Shaw gets to it, you would have thought Liam Shaw had scored yes, yes. based off the celebration. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah. What a oh, what yeah. a brilliant, brilliant moment in a pretty, pretty ho-hum affair. I mean, at that point, going to this, I think the thing that's so beautiful about it, especially that part of the game, what minute was it? It was like 88th minute? They're saying 90th, so yeah, it just must have been as it just as it sort of ticked over. He probably started his run in the 89th, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea and the concept of him going out to the side, being like, I'm running for the corner, I'm running for the psych, <laughs> and then he just takes he just Paulie Shaw straight Paulie Shaw's it 
off the uh, the young naive Grecian. That's actually player. his uncle. <laughs> so. All right, I'm Paul Shaw. They change, they change the spelling. You know, in America, sometimes they change the spelling just to simplify things. <laughs> I was right good in Encino, man. <laughs> oh, he well and truly wheezed the juice, didn't he? He absolutely did. Yeah, and so I mean, you end up. This is a kind of ho hum um, cup tie, you know, in a miserable winter uh, on a, you know, a frankly horrible pitch. I mean, people have complained about the Hillsborough pitch. We really get to see how the other half live when you when you sort of um, visit a, a St James Park with a with a pitch that looks like that, and um, you just come away. I mean, I just felt incredible. It was like. Uh, um, <laughs> It was like uh, I'm trying to think of the, oh dear I'm blanking on the name of the film with the drumming and the J.K. Simmons whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash. Like I came out of that and felt like I could sort of slap God in the face. Like I felt incredible <laughs> and bigger than myself and part of something. I don't know. And like that's what happened. Liam Shaw made my chest swell and made me proud to be a Wednesday fan. This was yeah. lovely, lovely to see. Um, it's interesting to mention Irigide because it can be fleeting and that's I suppose we've yes. always to keep that yes. in our mind but Shaw has put together a run of performances which are really quite remarkable um mm. you're picking up that first goal and really being the driving force of the team in an attacking sense that game against Middlesbrough and then dropping in at centre-back you know needs must dropping in at centre-back picking up a man of the match award on Sky and mm. I mean he was man of the match by such a distance. It's not even worth. There's nobody else in the conversation uh, today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, you know, picking up an incredible assist. It's hard not to get excited. And I think you have to let yourself. I and mean, we all know we've got hard bitten sort of knowledge. But, you know, it's we've, <laughs> we've talked about, you know, relationships and lost loves and things like that. But it's like. You know, you you get your heart broken. You live mm. with the knowledge that that can happen to you, but you've kind of got to throw yourself at the next thing. And we've got to be excited by seeing Liam Shaw doing what he's doing. I mean, we know like, that maybe yeah. it's forever, but but so this feels fun. like this feels like a magical. This feels like a magical night with your crush, right? This feels like yeah. This is this is kind of it. I like. I'm at the point of just thinking. I I just want to just be. I just want to enjoy this for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know what else. I don't know because again, there's already there's automatically the thoughts of anxiety in the back of my head of like, oh wow, are we gonna you know? Hopefully, we keep Liam Shaw because obviously he's one of the many raft of players who's out of contract in the summer. Of course, everybody's out, and everyone is out of contract in the summer. You know, Um, and it, it could happen, it could not. But for the time being, it's it's beautiful to see especially in a litany and a background of Sheffield Wednesday youngsters who never reach potential or never get a chance at Wednesday. Yeah. Um, to think about the players that we've, you know, lost and players that we've, you know, your classic, your Jamie Vardy's, um, the players who left and then seemingly had a decent career for themselves or players that People like we hoped would be someone. Yeah, Rory McArdle played against us today. I remember him being a... Mm. 
a, a, a youngster of some potential at, at one point with I, Donald's another one that we kind of exactly around occasionally exactly I remembered um the thing I want to say about so I, I mean I think it was a period where I was in my kind of Wednesday um sabbatical but I, I thought Rory McArdle played more games for Sheffield Wednesday than just the one appearance I think he weirdly I think he might have played for Northern Ireland more than for us uh, like when he was with us, really, I think that might have happened. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've mixed things up. Um, but yeah, it's a strange. It is strange, uh, you know. Uh, and people are kind mm. of like, um, you know, like like the mosquito at the start of Jurassic Park. You know, they're kind of <laughs> frozen in amber as well. Like to me, he's still <laughs> that promising youngster, youngster on the outskirts, and he's clearly a grown man who's had a full career. <laughs> at, mm. uh, at several football clubs now um but yeah as you say we've got to <laughs> now more than ever we've got to drink in these moments and enjoy them when they're you know whilst the whilst the whilst the berry is sweet and uh i love that yeah well this is this is a this is a night with our crush tomorrow oh. can wait i'm feeling up liam shaw Do you want uh, <sighs> just to speak about sweetness? Do you the opposite uh, in many ways is salty? Um, have you seen the the salty salty dog comments from Matt Taylor, the Exeter manager? Yes, yes. Oh, how pathetic! <laughs> yeah, he, he knows that the game was squirrelled away on mm. BT Sports Five. If you can get, if you can enter the code and undo the buttons, you can watch something that was filmed on a potato under the red button um but yeah according to him we were there for the taking and i love you know the delicious salty tears one of my favorite salty tears varietals is the uh keeper has not had a shot to save in anger and we've got beaten two nil do you know what that means mate Means he should have saved two goals, mate. Do you know what it means? It means he did have some shots to save. Because uh, if he didn't have any to save, it wouldn't be 2 0. All right, all right. Right. Um, <laughs> would you be Would you be gracious enough, Rich, to let me go through some of my middling notes throughout the game? Please. Um, do you get worried as a Wednesday fan, much like me, when Patterson is referred to by the commenter, commentator as our informed striker? Three and three, Luke. I know, but I just I'm not used to hearing those words, informed striker. <laughs> no, no, it I is. Feel, I feel like it's more likely to precede a Wednesday player who then goes to court. <laughs> informed striker, Callum Patterson. Well, you've misheard them saying an in court striker. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> um, I I really felt bad for like I, the one thing I want to say with this. I mean. I, I don't know about the production values of BTC Sport, BT Sport Extra. Um, though I, I will say they must have spent a lot of money, um, not so much on the picture, but definitely on the sound. I felt like I got some very evocative feels. I felt like I was yeah. listening to, felt like a Hollywood production in a Foley, a Foley <laughs> artist, you know. So it, it felt like it sounded like someone was punching a cabbage when Adebayo got hit and the, the ball blasted into his face. <laughs> Which was disconcerting to watch for me as the viewer, let alone I, it, it sounded it like it. It was a heavy, heavy blow, didn't it? I was quite it surprised did. he didn't have to have like a, a concussion check after that. 
Yeah, he went. I imagine that really hurt. So, mm-hmm. but again, this uh, the beautiful ASMR at the beginning of this, we had the lovely lower league sound of the the Exeter players coming out and the little the little clopping on concrete of the studs. Oh yeah, that's, that's always a nice. Place. It's a lovely sound, and I loved at halftime. I don't know if your footage was the same, but it just kind of stayed on the pitch for a minute or two. Yes, it did. And yeah. you had those really creaky seagulls. Kind of the Exeter creaky seagulls at halftime <laughs> over some the, lads. The famous flapping. creaky seagulls of Exeter, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, outside some lads uh, flapping a football uh, to each other in the center of the park. I mean, the the ball sounds were the ball sounds were fantastic in this. You know, the the ball hitting the billboard very loudly. Yes, it really really made me feel like I was at a Sunday league game. It was fantastic. Yeah, no, it was it was that, that was a nice feature, and I did like just sort of lingering on. The empty pitch. That's that was sort of because it's weird the things you miss with not being able to go to football matches. Mm. And the the peculiar sort of improvised haphazard nature of halftime warm ups is one of my favourite things. I've been to, <laughs> I've seen I've seen non league football. I've been to Premier. I've been to Champions League matches and just seeing. You know, human beings of various varieties of value, um, just kind of knocking it, passing it about like a couple of lads in a park, uh, like that does anything useful. It's really, I don't know, it just brings a brings a joy to my heart. It warms me up a little bit. Mm. You know how like it's supposed to be very therapeutic to be to walk because it's that kind of it's that rhythmic left right pattern that kind of does a lot for our brain. Do you think there's also a similar thing in watching? Watching uh, some grown adults just uh, just whack it between them from the other side of the yes. pitch, preferably. Yes. You know, especially yeah, when they, yeah, yeah. they go to the forty yards, they're like, you know, I'm a I'm a reserve left back, but let me just have a go at pinging it across to you at the other side of the pitch. Yes. <laughs> so, or I'm, I'm the goalie. Let me join in with the keepy uppies. That will go well. Yes, that's always beautiful. <laughs> that's always fun. Um, I'd like to give a toast to the commentator who spent the halftime commentary review more in depth than I can be in detail on the highlights and chances of this game. Uh, real commitment and professionalism to <laughs> someone who values his jobs. A nuance I'm yet to see on the depths of satellite football television. So much kudos to whoever that gentleman was. Roast, <laughs> roast to whoever was looking after my grotty stream, who at the beginning of the second half decided to switch channels to um, some um, post-match analysis on some rugby game. I think it was Newcastle... <laughs> Leinster, whatever it was, I don't know. Uh, that really, really irked me. Oh wow, you've become so North American now that you you wouldn't say that Leinster, you'd say it Leinster. Do you still know I'm how not, to say I... Norwich properly, or would you call it? Would you say Norwich? <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's Norwich, don't we? Yes, Peterburg. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes the the, the posh the posh who are also from uh, Russia. <laughs> and Florida. <laughs> Florida, yeah. Um, was there anything else? Um, also, just want to say this was some highly tactical football as we get to hear the joy of people shouting seconds from corner. <laughs> oh, my word. Seriously? <laughs> apparently, apparently, I, I said this to my Ellis Brandy who said that apparently Ben Foster... Shout the goalkeeper shouts winners. <laughs> it's just Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. <sighs> and I think that's it for my notes. I think okay. really that yeah. 
I just wanted to get those out there. I appreciate that. That was lovely. Um, so we we to wrap up. I think it's uh, it's our newest uh, you know introduction. Uh, I I think Starman is going to be. There's not much debate there, but worth mm. you know we've got to make it official that Liam Shaw yes. show it picks up Starman for today. For me, honourable mention wise, it would be those other young players in the in the back four. I, I, I thought Brennan had a really calming presence. I thought there was a couple of mm. moments where um he just took a little bit of time in moments and, and uh calmed things down that could have could, mm. could have got out of hand. Um and and I thought the I thought Galvin at left back mm-hmm. didn't didn't sort of wow or or do incredible things, but we have touched on this before. Actually, having a kind of quiet game at fullback not a not a mark against you at all. It's um, if you're noticing a fullback, it's sort of like a sixty forty that sixty percent of the time it's going to be for bad things, um, and maybe if you're lucky, you'll be in the 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 lesser percentage of doing something good further up the field. But by and large, I don't want to be talking about a fullback at the end of the game uh, because it's more likely to be a clanging howler that they they threw in and he just looked very solid I thought Mm. positionally did a good job this was a you know there were challenges for the defense and um, by and large they they stood up to them I thought Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah those are my those are my kind of I I would I would say the exact same as well. Actually, though, I would have a slight different focus. So I, I kind of went with Galvin because I... Oh, nice. I I thought he had some really nice touches going forward. Um, he did have a few moments and a few nice touches yeah. that, you know, showed him out to be a, you know, could have a bit of potential as a professional footballer. I thought with Brennan, um, it was more kind of understated, I want to say. Mm. So, I, but I think that's kind of very classy to have in a center back to keep a clean sheet, to be a center back, and then again, similar to how you said about a fullback, if you've had a quiet game in defense, yeah, and you've kept a clean sheet, that's uh, that's that's a real positive. Oh, definitely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there you go. What also, a, um, oh, I think one final thing to say. Um, I thought it was incredibly nice. The Sheffield Wednesday Twitter account retweeted. A tweet from I think Stocksbridge Park Steels. So their assistant yes. manager Lee Thompson is the dad of um, I believe it's Eric Thompson. Yes, and it was really touching to see his you know his very emotional reaction to his yeah his son having was, a debut game. Yeah, that's fantastic. That really touched me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I will try and remember. I will make a note to myself to put that in the show notes for people that. Uh, you know, I, I assume people will have seen it, but if you haven't, it will be <laughs> yeah, in the show. Exactly. Um, you might want to watch it again. There you go. It'll be there, you know, forever. It'll have a permanence <laughs> that the the timeline feature that makes social media so addictive uh, washes things away on, on such a regular basis. So uh, it will always be in the show notes of Different Gravy. As we know, a very permanent fixture in, in everybody's life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There you go. I mean, it's what a bizarre week. Um, it's been strange to football's weirdly, by and large, managed to look outside of the empty stadiums. It's it sort of behaved like it's in a different world to the rest of us, COVID-wise. Mm. And it, 
this week has really f- we've felt the impact of of COVID on on football at writ large and in particular at Wednesday. Um, but against the backdrop of that, it does open up these opportunities for people, and it's it's nice to see that some folks are ready to grab them up and uh, and make the most of them. So quite a as I say, quite a, a heartwarming um feel at the end of this uh which i didn't necessarily expect to be uh be the you know my kind of feeling that i came away with uh when when the game started or when i saw that team sheet uh so yeah well done to the uh, well done to the whole team you know everybody played a part but in particular well done to those those young players um really giving a a cause for hope and something nice to take into the week ahead. So I'm, I'm going to say cheerio to the folks at home. I'm going to say cheerio to you, Luke, and wish you well. Uh, cheerio to you, Rich, and hope everyone has a great week.